0: Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message.
1: Pairs and Spares. That was the title given to a young adult ministry in the UK several years ago. And it's a great example of some of the language we use and programs we can start in our churches, even with the best of intentions, but through innocent ignorance can cause hurt and offense for people who are single. The idea of being a precious person created in the image of God, but also being called a spare, is not one that most people would find to be a compliment. This morning, I'm going to share briefly on the topic of singleness as part of our relationship series. And I want to start with a couple of introductory remarks. First of all, if you're a single person watching this this morning... I want you to know that you are a precious and valuable part of the family of God and in no way are you a lesser than or a second-class citizen when compared to those of us who are married. The second thing I want to say this morning is that I'm really in no position to be preaching to you as an expert in the field of singleness. I'm what many people see as a stereotypical Christian. I got married really young. I was just 21. A few weeks after I turned 21, I got married. My wife, Kim, um, had only just turned 20 and we have been married for 20 years. And so the majority of my adult life has been spent as a married person. And so all I can do today is take you to God's Word and share some thoughts from Scripture about singleness. The title of my message this morning is Marriage is Not the Ultimate Aim, Discipleship Is. And the truth is we are called to be disciples of Jesus through every season of our lives. Uh, I'm not going to say anything other than today, marriage is a wonderful gift. I'm so grateful for my wife and kids, and I thank God for them on a regular basis. In fact, so many of the greatest moments of my life have been experienced in the context of my relationship with Kim and with our children, and I wouldn't change that for the world. I love having a wife by my side to encourage me, to help me when I'm struggling, to share with decision-making and wisdom in raising our kids, and to give and receive love from. Kim and the children are one of the greatest gifts in my life. But let me let you in on a little secret this morning. Marriage is not always easy. And parenting, kids, believe it or not, is not always joyful. What I've learned as a married man is that marriage is not the answer to the deepest longing of our hearts. Only Jesus can fill that void. You know, for many people, it's always kind of the next thing that's going to make them happy. If you're a VCE student right now, when you get your results, you probably think, if I just get those results and they're what I expect, I'll be happy. Uh, But then you get your results and then it's uni or it's, you know, going into a trade or if I can just get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, I'll be happy. Maybe it's that new car or that new phone. Maybe it's that promotion at work or for some people it's retirement. If I can just retire, all the stress and anxiety of life will go and I can just enjoy all the blessing of my hard work. And so there's this desire for fulfillment, for joy and for purpose, but it ends up being elusive because it's always just around the corner, but it never actually arrives. What I've found with God is that he provides wonderful gifts for us to enjoy in life. But when those gifts become ultimate things in our lives, they change from being amazing gifts to become idols instead. And they also ultimately become disappointing because they can never bring the fulfillment and joy that can only really truly and eternally be found in Christ. I think marriage is one of those wonderful gifts that many people obsess over and make the ultimate goal of life, and it shifts from being a gift to an idol. Let's remember this morning, marriage is not the ultimate goal of the Christian walk. Discipleship is. I think that's obvious even from the life of the Apostle Paul and Jesus himself. These two men are arguably the two most influential men that have ever walked on this earth. They were men of purpose and conviction. They knew what they were here on earth to do, and yet neither of them was married. There is some conjecture about whether Paul married before converting to Christianity. But what we do know for certain is that the majority of his extraordinary ministry that we read about in scripture was done as a single man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the passage that was read this morning, Paul gives us instruction for both married and single people. And he starts in verse 1 with some teaching about giving yourself to one another sexually in the context of a marriage. But at the end of these instructions, Paul says something interesting in verse 7. He says, I wish that all of you were as I am. He's talking about the fact that he's a single man. But then he says, But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And so to the unmarried and the widows, I say, It is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. In verses 10 to 16, he then tells them what to do if they're married to an unbeliever. He does a little bit of teaching on divorce and what to do if your partner leaves you. But then he kind of brackets this section with these words. Verse 17, he says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. So this morning, I want to say three brief things about singleness. And the first one I want to say is this. Singleness is a gift. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hang on a second, Luke. What would you know about singleness? Spoken by a person who was married at 21, has been married all their life. You might say it's a gift, but it doesn't really feel like a gift for me. Well, Anthony Wilson, this week I was chatting to him and he said to me that he spent most of his single life pining for his now wife, Ash, and experiencing all the frustrations with waiting for her to feel the same way. (laughs) Well, Anthony, I guess it was worth it in the end. You're now married to Ash and you're happily married and it's a wonderful thing. But this morning, as I share about singleness, I want you to bear in mind, I'm not saying that it's a gift from my personal experience. I'm saying it's a gift from the perspective of the Apostle Paul as a single man. And he is making the point that whatever season we are in, it is a gift from God. Have you ever heard the saying, the old saying that the grass is greener on the other side? Well, I heard someone say once it's only greener because the devil painted it that way. And I think that's often very true. But we sometimes live our lives with that kind of perspective, that things are always better somewhere else, or we would be better off if our life had some sort of different circumstance. And if we could find ourselves in that circumstance, then we'd finally be happy. But when we have that mindset, what happens is this, that we never learn to be grateful for what we've got. And we tend to miss the gift of God that he's given to us right in front of our eyes in our current season. And so I want to encourage you this morning, whatever season you're in, to cultivate an attitude of gratitude in your life. As Christians, one thing we can never say is that we have a shortage of things to be thankful for. As people saved by the extraordinary grace of God in relationship with Jesus through all he's done for us in his life, his death, and his resurrection, we have been given enough ammunition to be firing off gratitude and praise for the rest of not only our earthly lives, but for all of eternity. And so I love the advice Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through Him, Christ, who gives me strength. You know, I think being content in all circumstances is a really critical thing to foster in our lives. When Kim and I first got married, I was clearly an extrovert. I always wanted to be doing something with friends and to be out and about. And Kim, well, she was obviously the polar opposite. She was an introvert and was really just happy to be at home together most of the time. Over the years, I think we've kind of rubbed off on each other and I'm now a lot more introverted than I used to be and she's also certainly a lot more extroverted than she used to be. But when we first got married, that was a huge adjustment for me because I was used to just doing whatever I wanted whenever I wanted to do it. And so if a friend rang up and said, hey, do you want to go to the footy tonight or come to a party or catch up? I would usually just drop everything and say absolutely and go and do it. But as a married person, I could no longer behave in that way. And it really took me a while to adjust. And sometimes I I still acted like I did when I was single. And I learned that that was not a good tactic for growing my marriage. And so I realized as a single person that that freedom that I used to have was something that I took for granted. Because ironically, as a single, I used to look at all my married friends and I couldn't wait to get married. But now that I was married, I look at all my single friends and I miss some of the elements of being single. And so it was a good reminder for me to learn to be content in any and every circumstance and to see that each season of our lives is a God-given gift that God has assigned to us. No matter who you are watching today, every one of us is in a different season of life. And each of those seasons is a gift from God. And he's using this season to shape and to mold us as disciples of Christ in various ways. And so if you're a single person watching this today, I want to encourage you to embrace this season, not as a curse, but as a gift. Uh, Kimberly Smith is going to be our guest in today's service, and she's going to share her testimony as a single person. But I've often heard her talk about the language of waiting. A lot of singles are told or, or even say to themselves that they are just kind of waiting around to find their life partner. Now, the problem with waiting is that waiting is, is so often inactive and passive, and if you spend all of your time just kind of waiting around, you may actually miss what God has given you to get on with in this season of your life. When you're waiting for Romeo or Juliet to come and sweep you off your feet for a fairytale wedding and a happily ever after, then there's a good chance that marriage has become an ultimate thing. And so let's remember this morning that marriage is not the ultimate aim. Discipleship is. And so whether you're married or single, today it's a good chance to, to stop and think about what you want to achieve in this next season of life. What new things can you learn? What experiences can you have? How can you keep growing and developing in your faith and discipleship? And how can you serve God with the time that you have? What opportunities has God assigned for you in this season? And so whether you're in a relationship or you're single, embrace this current season as a gift. The second thing I want to say about singleness is that singleness provides unique opportunities. I've got a a little bucket of balls here today, and um, I'm not much of a juggler, but if I was, I'd probably be pretty good at juggling two balls. It's pretty easy. And so if you're a single person, you're sort of juggling yourself and the circumstance that you're wrestling with at the time. But as you get married and have kids or enter a relationship, you kind of add more balls and juggling becomes a little bit more difficult. And I'm not that great at juggling any more than two balls, but in our family, there's six people. And so there's now six people that I've got to consider in every decision and everything I do. And if I try and juggle six balls, well, you see, it's not quite as easy as juggling myself and my circumstances. And so... Each season has its benefit. And so if you're married right now, you're making decisions, not just for yourself, but for other people in your family. But as a single person, you have a freedom that married people no longer have. And so grab hold of this gift and maximize it in this season of your life. The Apostle Paul goes on later in the same chapter we read before, 1 Corinthians 7, to to spell out this reality. In verse 2, he says this, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, I've got to say, I've just lived out this experience in the last couple of weeks. I had a couple of weeks of leaves that of leave that coincided with school holidays. And in school holidays, you get a great opportunity to spend some time with your wife and with the kids. Um, but you also don't get as many great times to rest or grow your relationship with God. And so in, in most of my time on leave, I'd spend the morning playing with the kids and we'd play on the PlayStation or we'd go for a walk or catch some Pokemon. And, and then in the afternoon, I would look forward to the afternoon and in the distance, I would see this kind of little oasis of time where I could sit and read a book or spend some time in the Word or just have a rest. And it, it kind of looks so good, but you know, deep down, it's a mirage. Because you finally sit down and you get out the, the book or the Bible and you have a rest or whatever. And just as you're settling in and getting comfortable, the door bursts open. And Lenny's one of those kids, he's always wanting to be doing stuff. And he bursts into the room and he says, Dad, can we play a game? And I say, we've played games all morning. He said, like, yeah, but I'm bored. I've got nothing to do. And so I just say, look, son, just give me half an hour to have a read and we can play after that. And he'd say, OK, Dad, and he'd, he'd leave the room. And then you would sit back down, you'd settle in, you'd get a few pages into your book, and then the door bursts open again. And Dad, has it been half an hour yet? It's like, no, son, it's been four minutes and 32 seconds. And you just know that that rest time is over. And so even the time you want to spend resting or uh, reading a book or spending time with the Lord, it just tends to be diluted by all the other distractions and stuff that happens in a family home and with other people in the house. But as a single person, many of you have the desire to have a family one day. But I just want to encourage you, don't wish this season away too quickly because in this season you have a unique opportunity to devote yourself to the Lord, to spend time with Him, to develop rhythms in your life that will hold you in really good stead as a disciple of Christ, whatever the next season holds. You may also have extra time in this season of life to devote to serving. And as you seek first the kingdom of God, And as you delight in the Lord, you can rest in the confidence that he has your future in his hands. Marriage is not the ultimate aim, discipleship is. And so ask God to help you to become the person he wants you to be, and that will prepare you for whatever the next season of life will hold. The last thing I want to say about singleness this morning is that singleness can be difficult. Now, I don't want to gloss over this topic and assume as a married person that life as a single will always be easy. I think we really need to balance Paul's teaching on singleness with a foundational teaching of the creation account in Genesis, where God said to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. As human beings, we are created for relationship. There are obviously many different relationships we can enjoy in life, but it's obvious that a life partner in marriage is one relationship that the majority of people long for and experience. And the feedback I've had from many friends over the years is that when you're not experiencing a relationship like that, well, there are good days for sure, but there's also not such good days. There can be times where single people feel left out and forgotten. There can be seasons of doubt and fear, loneliness and isolation. And so when we think about singleness in the church, we often think of people who've never been married. But singleness is much broader than that. We have those who are single, but we also have those who are single again. And so in our church, we have people who have experienced relationship breakdown and divorce. We have others who have lost their life partner to illness and death. And each of these unique life experiences carry their own struggles and grief. Uh, So for those who are desperately wanting to get married but haven't yet found a partner, uh, they can sometimes get anxious and even wonder what's wrong with them. They may start doing the maths and calculating, how many years have I got left to find someone if, if I want to start a family? And there's sadness and there's anxiety that comes with that. For others who've had a relationship breakdown and are now journeying alone or living as a single parent, there's not only the daily pressures of that life, but there's also the grief of losing that future you once imagined, but now for whatever reason hasn't come to pass. And for those who've lost a husband or a wife, you have the sadness of waking up without them beside you. You no longer share those precious moments with one another and you find yourself adjusting to a new normal in your everyday life. For those who were once married, many of your friends would have been other married couples. And so now there's this entirely different dynamic going on in your life that takes a major adjustment. And all those scenarios carry with them times of significant pain and loss and grief. And if you're in any of those situations this morning, our prayers and our thoughts are with you. And I want you to know a couple of things that will always be true. First of all, I want you to know that in Christ, you are part of his body and you are a precious part of this church family. And so please don't ever hesitate to reach out and to share what you're going through. because As a church community, we want to get better at caring for everyone within our community and even those people that are single. Um, And for the rest of us who maybe are married or in a family situation, let's be proactive. Let's not react when people are feeling low, but let's proactively care for people who are journeying as singles, not in an awkward way or a condescending way, but in a way that we love others as we love ourselves, that we are an inclusive and loving community. The second thing I want to say that will always be true is this, that you're never, ever alone. It may feel like you are sometimes, but in Christ, you have a Savior who is with you and through the Holy Spirit, he dwells within you. And that's why Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if you're a a single person this morning or a married person this morning, uh, that, that is true for you as well. It's true for all of us, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Marriage is a wonderful gift, but it's not the ultimate aim. Discipleship is. And so if you're a single, you're not a spare. You're a precious child of God.
0: Hi there, Follow Baptist. It is so good to be with you today. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm super excited that you guys are having a conversation about singleness. It's a topic that's often overlooked, and so I'm glad that you and your leadership have seen fit to include it in your relationship series. Now, when someone comes to speak to you about a topic, normally it's because they're an expert on it. And how does someone become an expert on singleness? I hear you say, well, to start with, I am single, right? but I'm also so single that I wrote a book about it. So they're my credentials to come and share with you. But more than that, my own personal journey. So I was married quite young and the relationship was very unhealthy but also uh, ultimately quite destructive and that ended after eight years and I found myself in my late 20s facing a future that was very different than what I was hoping for and what I had been working towards. And at the same time, I got called into vocational ministry and started in a pastoral role at a local church. And what I discovered being a single person in that space is that it's quite a a challenging uh, place to navigate when the church and the community around the church and the focus of the church is so family oriented, which it ought to be, but it did make me ask the question, what's it look like for an adult single to navigate that space? And so being part of senior leadership and being able to shape something of that culture, we learned a lot along the way and we're able to share the the things that we've learned and reflected on uh, with other churches. And so it's great to be able to speak into that space for you guys today. So needless to say, right now, I am living an unexpected version of my life. This is not where I thought I would be. And I think that's true to say of most adult singles, even if people haven't been necessarily planning towards it or consciously thinking that way, I think there's a a natural narrative that suggests that the life trajectory is that you grow up and at some point you meet a person and you get married and you have children and they, have cho- they get married and they have children and that's sort of the natural narrative. And so often when singles are older in life, they find themselves just suddenly popping up and like, this is not where I thought I would be. And whether it's a better version of their life than they expected or not, it is just not what they foresaw. And so the other part of understanding that in terms of adult singleness is recognizing that there's a whole range of expressions of that. There are people who've always been single. There are people who are single again, like myself, because of divorce or because of uh, the loss of their spouse. There are people who love being single. There are people who are very unhappy about being single. There are people who are planning towards not being single. There are people who, for whom it's not really part of their, their thinking at this stage of their life. So there's a whole range of, of experiences and expressions of singleness that exist within your ch- uh, your church and within any community. And so while this is not my preferred trajectory, uh, my my gift or my sense of what God has been calling me to embrace is this is the season that I live and this is the way that I am living out my life. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, he speaks to this idea of marriage and singleness and out of this passage, we get the idea of singleness as a gift. But I think at least he's suggesting that we need to um, consider what are the benefits of singleness? What are the blessings contained within Singleness and and to embrace those and he, one of the things he highlights there is that if you are married a married person must consider their spouse and the, and be concerned for their spouse where a single person freed of that intimate relationship and the, the intensity of that relationship has a capacity to have a, a greater focus and a soul devotion to God. Now, I think that's a challenge to marriage, not a permission. That's to say, you guys have got to work harder to be focused on God because there's someone who's drawing attention from you. But it's also an encouragement to singles, and the way that I have embraced it, is to say, this is a season that gives affords you some freedoms, affords you some opportunities that you're not going to get uh, if you do get married and so for me as I said it's it's this idea of embracing that and and with the the mindset of not living with regret that if I was were to get married which I do hope one day still to be I don't have to look back and regret oh man I wish I had have made better use of those single years because now that I'm married I don't have those same Opportunities. I don't have that same freedom, freedom of decision-making, freedom of movement, freedom of change. There's a whole lot of things that, that we get to enjoy as singles that are, are unique to that life stage. And I want to maximise them while I'm here. And if I do change my circumstances, then I want to make the most of that circumstance too. So when we talk about the, the community around single people, I mean, there's a, a whole lot to be said about what it looks like as a single person to live your best life. But I think when we're talking in this context to a broader faith community, what does it look like for the community to live with knowledge and awareness and sensitivity towards the singles that are in their midst and to maximise their input and also to be the greatest blessing we can be to them. And to frame that up, I've just got a few thoughts around this question. How can the church family be family, be family, to those without family? Let me throw a few ideas at you in terms of how you might answer that question today. So belonging. One of the core things about being a single person is this search for a place of connectedness and belonging. Now this most profoundly expresses itself for me, and I know this resonates with many singles when I share it, in the idea of arriving somewhere alone. Now I am a raging extrovert like extrovert being I am solar powered introverts are battery powered so I need external stimulus to 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 energize me and as I say raging extrovert but this awkwardness of arriving somewhere alone you know that feeling of walking in and thinking where am i going to connect in here who's going to talk to me is there going to be a place where i find belonging here that fear, that hurdle has been enough for me to not go to a party or an event rather than have to face that dilemma. And as I say, if you understood the extent of my extroversion, you would realise how profound that is. But I think many people can resonate with this idea of what it is like to arrive alone. So how can the church family be family to those without family? Maybe it's as simple as a text message saying, are you going to the party tonight? Do you want to drive together? it could be, let's meet out the front and we'll walk in together. It could be, I'll save you a seat, come sit with us. Just simple little practical steps that will help a single person over that bump of arriving alone and feeling that sense of belonging as they start into a new social environment. Of course, there's practical needs. There's a certain number of tasks and processes that happen within a house that just have to be done by two people. You can't lift a long thing by yourself. It could be being on the other end of a tape measure. It could be just recognising that, Most of the functions of a house, the bins going out, the lawns being mowed, those sorts of processes happen whether you've got four people in your home or one, but there's one person charged with the responsibility to do it. So what would it look like for the church family to be family to those without family? Is there anything I can help you with? Can I come and do something more practical for you? Can I mow your lawns for you? Can I? Is there any tasks around the house that you're waiting to do because you don't have a second pair of hands? Let me come over and I'll give you half an hour and we'll do them. Security. There's a... A people group in northern China called the Uyghur people. And as part of the, the mourning ritual of, the, of women who've lost their husbands, they repeat this phrase over and over again that when it's translated into English directly says, I have lost the back of my chair. Now, wherever you're sitting right now, if you were to lean forward and imagine that the back of your chair is no longer there, what have you lost? you've lost support, you've lost that capacity to rest, to lean back, you've lost that sense of security, now you're having to hold yourself up. And this is the the phrase that these women repeat because it's this recognition that when you are on your own, there's a lack of security and support around you. How can the church family be family to those without family? I've got you you can lean back. You can rest. I'm here to support you. I will advocate for you. I will stand with you. I will be your place to rest when things are too hard. I will hold you up a little bit if you just need a little bit more encouragement. We will be there consistently for you to lean into. And of course, when you consider a single person living alone, there is a distinct lack of diversity in that household, right? If whatever gender that person is, that's the only gender represented, that's the only generation represented. And so what can the church family be to those who don't have their own family? Well, we can provide those relationships of diversity for people without children. You can borrow our children (laughs) for people who are, for a female We can provide you safe and appropriate places to have interactions with males. For younger people, we can provide older people for you. That's church family at its best is this multi-generational, you know, really diverse expression of all kinds of people that can be part of the relationship that these singles can't generate for themselves. So you, you might have exactly what a single friend needs just because you have children or just because you are older or just because you are of the opposite gender. And so thinking about what you can offer to the single people in your life in that way. And just the final thing is this, which I think is a bit of a a novel idea to some of you. Here's the the good news: the chaos and the normalcy of your home could be the greatest gift you have to give a single person. So a single person living alone, any time they want to catch up with anybody else, it's an event. It's a calendarized item. It's a dress up, go out. It's a meet somewhere, plan it kind of thing. Because without that there's nothing happening in their household whereas for those of you who are in families those with spouses or children when you don't have anything official on there's still a level of activity that's happening in your home it's someone doing their homework in one room it's takeaway dinner being reheated because someone's on their way home from netball practice and there's all this toing and froing but the the gift of that to a single person could be to just invite them into that normal family dynamic those relaxed social spaces where you don't have to dress up and go out which is fun in its in its time but sometimes we just want those spaces where we can just relax kick back put our feet up jump into the crazy yell at the tv eat pizza straight from the box whatever it is that's going on that could be an incredible thing that a we as church family could be to those without their own family. I in fact have a family who I call them the slippers family because at their house they have a pair of slippers for me. And as soon as I walk in the door, this, one of the kids will go running and grab the slippers. And the the impetus there is: kick off your shoes, put the slippers on. You have just switched into comfortable family mode. Come be part of what's going on. Come be part of the crazy in this house. So a whole lot of ideas there for you to consider. Let's be people who ask questions. Assuming things can get us in a whole lot of trouble. Don't assume that your friend doesn't want to be part of your noisy family. Don't assume that they do all the time. Sometimes they're okay with the quiet of their own life. Don't assume that somebody is unhappy about their singleness but don't assume that they're happy about it either. There's a whole lot of ways that when we start assuming things, we can actually be quite uh, hurtful to one another and exclusive or dismissive of the, the reality of one another's lives where, where we should just ask the question. We might find out that it could be an easy way to connect them into your family to understand where their greatest needs are. And my prayer for you is that as you keep exploring this conversation, as you keep asking the questions, as you keep... Um, You know, just pressing into this idea of what it really looks like to be family to those who don't have family, my prayer is that your community would just be transformed and that everyone, including singles, who walks through the door of your church or into any of your spaces would just feel an incredible sense of welcome, belonging, and family. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online.
1: To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.